0: Welcome back, podcast listeners. I've just finished an icy pole, which was holding up this podcast. But Tony, we're we're on our way now, mate. I've, I've given you time to speak now that I'm done.
1: You wasted six minutes and fifty four seconds of my life watching you eat a <laughs> lemonade icy pole.
0: I know mean, went longer than I expected too. I mean, just I think time got away from me and went too. Will I called through to to start the podcast, I was already sitting there licking away. So um, we're good to go now though. But we're going to chat today about. Um, the second time around, so a lot of intricacies to this. Um, it's something you deal with a lot uh, in our industry, but just even talking, not so much just divorce, um, but when people find other partners or, or move on from each other, even in their working lives, um, they're sometimes within businesses and things like that. So sometimes it's it's messy, um, sometimes it's not, uh, and it's actually very mutual. So, But you're always dealing with different scenarios
1: yeah there's lots of different scenarios i mean it's it's interesting the first statistic i'll quote you know I'm a man of statistics is uh 100 of divorces are actually caused by marriage
0: yeah it is true
1: <laughs> so, so, but of course when you is it it interesting speaking to joe walters who we work very closely with who does a lot of our state planning and is also a very high profile divorce lawyer it's interesting that she said although i think it was one in three marriages end in divorce second marriages uh, statistic is uh, half of them end in divorce. But she said, when you actually include de facto's, because a lot of time she's you know, working with a de facto couple that have separated. And when we say de facto, they might have been together for eight or nine years uh, that are separated and separating assets. Uh, she said it's actually quite interesting. The statistic is probably closer to about 70%. So it just goes to show that it's. Um, I just suspect singing elvis song love me tender uh no it it just goes to show that it's not necessarily until death do us part anymore so it's uh and you know the as we were talking earlier the quickest wealth deterioration of anyone's life is always going to be divorce or separation
0: splitting assets and and look it's sometimes it's quite a lengthy process sometimes to you know get through and splitting those assets um and it's something that we help guide our clients through that process if that's something that they've gone through along with their lawyers um you know obviously we yeah, but, don't make decisions
1: no but there's there's a couple of things i mean obviously we're not lawyers so we're not dishing out legal advice today uh but the uh, i think though that there's there's a couple of things to consider here and that is that it's not just a case of we're not going we're not going to live together and be a married couple anymore especially if there's children involved it's also a case of it's very emotional yeah um in a lot of cases, one of the parties didn't even see it coming. Uh, so they might have said, "Okay, things might have been a little bit rocky or stuff like that." But in a lot of cases, and then you know, if there's infidelity involved, it becomes very emotional uh, for the aggrieved partner. Um, and you know, and it's it's also a case of it does become very very emotional if there's children involved, and they start getting involved in too. It's even worse. So. It's not a case of, and this is what I've said with, you know, even when it comes to life insurance, it's not as if you lose your life partner on a Friday and go back to work on a Monday. There's there's a grieving period. And divorce, there's a grieving period. Separation, there's a grieving period. I and mean, even if you've just been dating someone for a couple of years and you separate, there's still a grieving period. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, at least in my day, you didn't get to see them and their new partner a week later on Facebook, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, but... You know, the, the, the there is still that grieving period because you actually have shared history and shared time together. Yeah. Uh, so, so from that aspect, it's um, no, it is hard. So when it then comes down to children, and then when it comes down to their part that we uh, work in the money, uh, it is really, really difficult because it's a case of sometimes people just think they deserve more because they were the ones that were cheated on. Or stuff like that so or so it's, it is a case of that you know and I feel for I feel for lawyers who you know, like Joe who work in that field because they're just dealing with emotions all day uh, that's their you know and sometimes unrealistic emotions too so um, but I think you know one of the first cases you dealt with me we were looking at the financials of, of a divorce and, and for some reason we always tend to be uh, chosen to act uh, on the wife's case the wife side of divorce with um but you know you look at the financials and sometimes one of the biggest things is understanding that there's going to be a lifestyle change yeah yeah so understanding that your household spending uh will no longer be the same
0: yeah uh, understanding, and understanding that you may have to step in and educate yourself as well as you may not have taken on that initial role of you know looking after the finances within the house um, but after that split you're gonna to have to step up and, and start to educate yourself and I guess that's where we lend a helping hand um, for those clients but you know it's sometimes a lot to take on for people it is
1: it seriously is it's a uh, it's you've dealt with the emotional trauma of separation to start with If there's children involved, and even if you kept it as amicable as you possibly can, the children are a bit older. From that aspect, you know, the children are still going to be affected, but they haven't been dragged through it. So that can be a positive. The next part, though, is um, you've got this situation where finances, well, why can't I keep living in the family home? You know, so why why should I why should he or she get the family home? You know, wh- where am I going to live? What am I going to do? Um, you know, if one of the partners was a um, you know always worked and the other partner took a longer time out of the career to raise the children. So it's um, I had one case of a guy I knew many many years ago through triathlons and. No, he was actually speaking to me about his situation. Him and his wife were going through a separation. He's, he made the comment, but why would she get part of my superannuation? I've worked, that's mine. And it's just like, well, you know, unfortunately, you've got two children that she's taken 10 years away from her career to raise.
0: She's just worked just as hard and given up oh, just a lot.
1: She's actually given up her work career to be able to raise your children. Um, and basically, and I mean, even even in regards to my divorce, and without giving away any financial details, but regarding the superannuation, it was it was it was judged that, yep. So I thought we would end up uh, splitting it down the middle. Our superannuation fund was about 90%. Um, uh, my contributions and my assets in there and it was about 10% hers, uh, but at the at the same time, oh, about 15% hers, 85, 15. Um, I, all her contributions I'd actually made on her behalf, uh, but it was decided uh, that um, she gets to keep all of hers and she got to keep sixty percent of mine. Now, the reason being is because she didn't have the same uh, ability to be able to work and earn an income and have contributions going towards a retirement, whereas I did. So and you know that, that that's fair enough. We've seen other situations as well where a superannuation fund you have somebody who's basically got it for life. And that's fine and the other member you know in this case uh, like what happened with Memex, who very much has nothing. So even though uh, they might think a split of 50, 50 is fine, it still might leave one of those partners uh, you know on the age pension, living off the age pension in retirement because their, their ability to work and actually start funding superannuation at you know at the age of 50. Is especially if they're only on a job, say earning fifty, sixty thousand a year, is far less than the other partner who might have been in a job earning two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year who is fully funded in their superannuation. So, the that part of it is actually having to make the lifestyle change uh, changes, but then change your life. So, you've got the aspects there, Jamie, of for example. But we always just went out and spent money and never had to think about it because one of the partners might not have been looking after the budget. Yeah. It's, uh, and then all of a sudden you've got the scenario where, um, but why can't I keep spending $120,000 a year because your salary is only 60?
0: Yep.
1: And, you know, we don't want to burn through all the funds that we have saved
0: here. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Why shouldn't, why shouldn't my partner uh, make a shortfall because <coughs> your partner is no longer funding your lifestyle? Yeah. So it's, uh, and these are, all, these are all the scenarios that happen, but then there's also the scenario what happens if they, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's a new partner? You say each they go their separate ways, they've um, changed things, and all of a sudden there's a new partner on the scene. Uh, what happens, as you said, the second time around, Jamie?
0: And are you used to, I guess, when we get into this, um, the question leading into it as well is, you know how how do you see when the two clients are sitting there? Is there nerves when they're talking about that second time around? Are they scarred from those? You know, are they taking caution in having those meetings?
1: Yeah, everyone's decision in life are based on scars uh, from the past. There's no doubt in that. So it's um so we we all we all make decisions in life based on uh, our experiences throughout life, and we did have a case uh, recently where the uh they've been together for three years uh her divorce was finalized about four years ago basically all she all her proceeds from the divorce is realistically all she's got for the rest of her life she can't muck that up um he uh has led pretty much a good single life and spent all his money and you would go and work eight months and then a uh, holiday for quite some period of time uh, never really earned a great income as a result of that, uh, but now he's earning very a very large income. So whereas she, in the relationship, the bank account financial assets has come from her, uh, from her actual divorce, but the large cash flow coming into the business is coming from him now. So even though there might be a distortion in respect to the balance of what's being brought into the relationship, there's also a just very large distortion on income, so in 10, 15 years' time. And you know, she did ask the question, well, what would happen, you know, if we're doing these investments here, what would happen if we were to separate? And that came actually that came actually as a shock to him. Yeah. The, thought hadn't, the thought hadn't entered his mind. But also too, you know, what happens if you do have we're speaking to a new prospective client uh, just this week. And where they both come from divorces. They went and bought uh, a house together. Uh, she's got four children, he's got three children. Uh, there's no estate planning being put in place. What happens if one of them was to pass away? What happens to your 50% equity in the home? There, there's all these scenarios that all of a sudden through the blended family or the modern family, as per one of my favorite all time TV shows, uh, good old Jay and Gloria. Uh, so it's, uh, but, um, the, the basis behind it is it's true. What happens, you know, what, what happens? Does there's, there's many get to just inherit Does Gloria and Manny and her, her son, Manny get to inherit and, and Jay's sons don't, uh, you know, so the, and that's the real life scenario that you actually have to plan for as well. And when, once again, you look at that statistic that 50% of second marriages end in divorce or some, some statistic like that, Certainly close to it. It's it, uh, it's it's very scary, you know. So in doing it a second time round, and the emotions, you know, if you separate a second time round again, and you don't want it to be wealth deterioration. So one of the things the lawyers do speak about, which we do raise as well, is having a binding financial agreement in place when you start a second relationship. Yeah, so I was about to ask that. So the process we can't was, give legal, we can't give legal advice on that, but I'll talk about it from the financial aspect, of course. Yeah,
0: so clients come in with you, and normally I feel like it actually normally starts with us and it leads to the lawyers um you know sometimes it comes from the lawyers the other way around but predominantly it's us sort of having those conversations with our clients and getting lawyers involved after that for the estate planning but you know how do you guide that situation um how, how do you work closely with lawyers um, especially around that binding financial agreement
1: well first of all having a it's a very 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 uncomfortable conversation <clears throat> yeah. to have was okay We plan on amalgamating things and living happily ever after together or just being in a de facto relationship and they haven't bought anything together. But by virtue of a de facto relationship over time of living together, they've now got joint assets as well. Uh, Basically, it's a case of with that. um, Think of a binding financial agreement, that conversation is like life insurance. You pay for it, you get it put in place and you hope to God you never have to pull it out of the drawer. Yeah. Uh, it's like life insurance. As I've always said, I've always wanted my life insurance to be a complete waste of money. That is my ultimate goal in life. I uh, live happily and healthily into 105 and then uh, just decide, OK, that'll do me and time's up. Uh, in other words, no claim required on my life insurance. And it's the same with a binding financial agreement. You have it in place to protect what you have and it can be structured in any way. And as I said, disclaimer, once again, I'm not the lawyer, I speak to the lawyer on it. But basically it might be a case of, okay, this is what I brought into marriage, this is what I brought into marriage. If we separate, we both get to take that out. And anything we've accumulated together, we might split 50-50 or whatever the case may be. So but the basis of it is having that up front just realistically gives everyone that's walked into that relationship that financial sense of security because they've just had their financial security ripped off them sometime previously. Um, as well, and a lot of very wealthy families uh, do that. So if somebody marries into the family, and you've got um, a son or daughter that is, a, you know, is about to inherit a large amount of wealth, and you've got somebody coming into the family that isn't as affluent. Uh, they were often used in America, of course, they're called prenups, uh, yeah. prenuptial agreements. Here, the binding financial agreements. But the idea behind it is that it protects everyone that's involved in that relationship in the event of a Relationship breakdown, a financial, it protects them financially in the event of a relationship breakdown.
0: And look, do you, do you see yourself sometimes as, I'm probably not the right word, as mediator, but oh look, I'm quite lucky. I'm in a relationship where we can have those open conversations. We've always had those open conversations from the start. So when we plan around things we're doing in our life, we sort of, we openly discuss that. Um, some people do struggle that way. Like we've talked in previous podcasts. Some people struggle to talk about their death um, around estate planning. They, they don't want to have that that conversation so you know do you see when people come to you it's sort of a safe spot to to open those discussions as you're able to sort of lead it and, and ask those questions because as I said I can imagine some people just aren't comfortable in their own home and having those tough conversations.
1: Yeah sometimes it's a case of like there was there was a scenario that we had uh, with some clients a uh, second relationship a uh, strong relationship uh, but it was it was a case of that Uh, he potentially was – he was in an industry where if he was to get sued, the lawsuit could be millions of dollars, Uh, you know, absolute millions of dollars. Now, bearing in mind he's got professional indemnity insurance in that, but just because you've got PI insurance doesn't mean you're covered in the event of a negligent negligent claim. Uh, So based on that, you know, he potentially uh, was on the hook for millions of dollars. Uh, she, uh, through her uh, first relationship, uh, had the larger portion of the combined assets. So there were two scenarios there: binding financial agreements in the event of a separation sometime in the future, number one, but also to they wanted to combine assets to build and growth together made sense too because she was on a smaller income than him so future capital gains tax scenarios a whole lot of things we addressed there uh which which totally made sense to do that but of course the biggest fear he had is if he and the investments in his name or house in his name or even under title of a house in his name and he was to get sued basically they could lose it all so as an example of that part of the structure was yes listen we will, will refer you to a lawyer who specialises in binding financial agreements, but you have to understand that lawyer can't act for both of you. Uh, so you, you're both going to have to actually engage a lawyer. Uh, yeah. So this is, which, you know, I, to be honest with you, and the lawyer on the other, if if you're a lawyer on the side where you have potentially more to lose, uh, you know, if there's separation, the lawyer's going to tell you, but yes, they should, because they're giving you legal advice. I'd advise you not to sign this because in the event of your separation, you you could get half of that which you can't now get as soon as you sign that. So yeah. if they if they refuse to sign it, you'd question the relationship. But that aside, <laughs> um, or the motives in the relationship. But that aside, though, we also there was also supported him because we needed to make sure a lot of the investments that were going to be made, for example, family home that was going to be purchased was going to be in her name. So he had to be protected because he was going to be paying virtually a hundred percent of the mortgage. Uh, So he certainly had to be protected from that aspect as well, but also to all future investments they're going to do in a family trust because you can't sue a trust, but you can sue an individual or a company. So based on that, their investments moving forward was going to be done through a family trust, because although a family trust has to distribute um, all income, she was on a lot lower income, so the trust could distribute income to her or into a bucket company at least anyway. So based on that, it's not always about just planning for, you know, a potential flip of a coin, heads or tails, a second divorce. It was actually more of a case of a couple of areas of protection there. So there's protection of life insurance, so the family's looked after. There's the protection of what you're bringing into the relationship. There's the protection of what happens in the event of a relationship breakdown. And there was the protection of what happens in the event of a lawsuit against him. So, so there was a range of areas that had to be discussed there. So financial planning isn't just about, as we've always said, it's not just about investments, although investments do form a very underlying and very important part of the whole process. It's yeah. also about ensuring that the structures and strategy are correct as well.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I think you're right in saying like, it, it's actually good for people to come and, and see you and book in a time because it actually can just help ease some of those problems um, and yeah. they- work through those things financially you know i I know at the back end it it sort of comes down to finances but it it always just starts with that conversation about their lives first um yeah
1: and i think think, jamie you know it's it's if i if i'm not prepared to have that uncomfortable conversation with them and something was to go wrong in the future should they hold me responsible you know and all i'm saying is once again i'm not the lawyer telling them to do it but what i'm saying is pointing out. You know no different with investments we all we, any 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 investment advisor can talk about the upside but you have to talk about the downside risk yeah. and the, and the downside risk of them is this so you can be happily in love uh, which everyone has been previously before uh, but you know it's a case of but what happens? so if I'm uncomfortable having that conversation with them um, then they might turn around and say we're fine we, we don't we don't need that that's okay as long as i've done the right thing by having that conversation with them i have to always talk about or any planner uh which unfortunately i know a lot don't but you have to actually talk about all the risks involved in life you know so the risk of not having enough money in retirement you know uh because you buy too much avocado and eggs breakfast or whatever the case may be Uh, the the risk of um of not being able to turn up to work due to an accident illness the risk of a divorce, the risk of uh, investing in speculative things that you don't know anything about that sound good on the surface and you lose all your money because someone told you to set up a self-managed super fund and give me all your money and I'll invest it. So there's there's all these things. So if we're not comfortable in being able to raise these uncomfortable things with clients, then realistically the client should be wondering whether they should be using us. Fantastic,
0: does it. Tony, really appreciate your time again today, mate, um, and we'll chat soon.